Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Today is an exciting day because today is the launch of our legacy offering season here at Favorite Church. And uh, if you don't know what that is, because maybe you've come to church only within the last year, once a year in our church, uh, we take a, uh, an offering that is over and above our tithe. Our tithe, I preached on this uh, in the last few weeks, our tithe is what we give weekly or monthly, whenever you get paid, you know, bi-yearly, whatever it is, uh, whenever you get paid. But our tithe is 10% of our increase, 10% of our income. We give it to the Lord. Uh, he lets us keep 90%. And it's with that 90% that we can choose to be generous with that or not. And so legacy offering is uh, every single year, we do amazing things where we get to partner with people, we get to do more projects even within our church to help our church grow, to partner with some incredible organizations. And so I thought today, as we launch it today, I wanted to preach a message entitled, Leaving a Legacy. Turn to the person next to you and just say, leave a legacy. legacy. Welcome to everyone watching online as well. So glad that you're here. Leaving a legacy. A lot of people uh, have a wrong idea of what the word legacy means. They think it's just leaving a financial inheritance. And even though there's an aspect of a financial inheritance in your legacy, it's so much more than that. A legacy focuses on what will endure. It's about passing on things of lasting value to those who will live on long after us. Legacy involves living intentionally and aiming to build into the next generations for their success. It's creating something of value and worth that goes beyond yourself. So what legacy should we build and leave. I've got three thoughts for you today, and then we're going to pray. The first is this, is that we should build a legacy for your family. Build a legacy for your family. There's two main ways that we can build a legacy for our family. It's through our finances and through our faith. And so I want to start with the least important of the two and talk about our finances, which for some of you is kind of weird because that will, isn't that the most important thing? Shouldn't that be the most important thing to, to leave an inheritance, a legacy of our finance for our children? No. Unfortunately, that's what the world classifies as the most important thing that we should do in regards to a legacy. Uh, but when it comes to our Christian faith, leaving a legacy of faith is far more important. But leaving a legacy in our finances is also important as well. So let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance, get this, to his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Solomon here is telling us what a good man is. What's a good man? It's someone that leaves an inheritance, not just to your children, but to your grandchildren. That's thinking ahead. That's planning ahead. Solomon is saying this. If, if you want to be a good person, be selfless. Don't be selfish. That's the amazing thing about an inheritance is this. 
you don't get to see the reward of it. You're dead. Right? You're dead. You've left your inheritance. You don't get to see the reward. You get no benefits. Yeah, your grandchildren might thank you, but you're dead. So maybe give your inheritance early, mom and dad. Maybe give, no joke. It's the height of selflessness is leaving an inheritance for your children and your children's children. And we need this message in the Philippines because a lot of times in the Philippines, we treat our children like a retirement fund. All right? We've talked about this a lot in our church. So we've done everything for our children, children. So when we're older, it's time for them to pay us back. And they need to look after us. Could I challenge you that biblically we need to change this culture around? And if it starts in our church, that's okay. But we need to change the culture where instead of looking at our children as a retirement plan for us, we need to look at what we can store up to give to not just our children, but our grandchildren as well. What am I doing to make sure that not just my children, but my grandchildren receive an inheritance for me? It's a biblical thing. You know what it takes? Do you know really what it takes? It takes sacrifice. It does take sacrifice. A few years ago when Kate and I moved here, we had built a house in Australia. We were really blessed. And when we moved here, we were looking at where to live, and, and we found a condo uh, here. And, uh, and, and we decided, uh, through talking in our, on our finances, we decided, okay, we're going to try and buy uh, this condominium. And when I say try and buy the condominium, it, it is a stretch. We borrowed all the money we could off the house that we had had in Australia, and we, we stretched, borrowed money off my parents, you know, to get this, and it was a stretch. And I remember sitting with Kate and going, we could live a much easier life if we don't buy this condo. We could just rent easily. We'll have more money. We can buy more things with this money. But instead of that, and I remember talking to Kate going, I really feel a conviction that we need to sacrifice in this season so that later on we have something to leave our children. So instead of just spending all our money now, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to go without. We're going to hustle in this season and stretch in this season so that later on in our lives, we have an asset. We have something that we can leave our children. We have a security for our children in place. And you know what? That's exactly what we did. And it's exactly what we are doing. We're still paying off this condo. And it would be a lot easier for us if we weren't paying off this condo. It would be a lot easier for us because we could just relax and enjoy and do all these things. But it's a sacrifice that we're making now, not for us, but for our children and our children's children. A lot of times, we got to actually, we got to look back and go, when we're talking about leaving a legacy for our family, it does cost us something. It will take a sacrifice, but it's something that I can leave my children and my children's children in Jesus' name. But you know what's even more important than leaving your kids a legacy of finance? It's leaving them a legacy of faith. Wow. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says this, train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. When you train up 
our children, when we train our children when they are young, can I tell you this? They don't listen to you, they watch you. Come on, how many of y'all have children that just don't listen to you? I do. I got kids. I see you, Salindas. They don't listen to me either, your children either. They don't listen to anyone. So I'm with you. Amen. Right? We all got kids that don't listen. But do you know what kids do? They may not listen, but they watch. And when the Bible encourages us to train up our children, sometimes we think that means we can just say what needs to be said and live however we want to live. Can I tell you, our children are watching us more than they're listening to us. They're watching to see if our actions actually back up what we say. They're watching to see if we're the same person at home that we are at church. Wow. Dad, how come you're so nice to everybody at church? How come you use different language at church than what you use at home? Our children are watching us to see if what we say matches with how we live. In our kids' church, we've just started a new curriculum in our kids' church. And one of the reasons why we're going into this new curriculum is because there's an emphasis on parents or guardians at home actually sitting with their children and going over what we study here on a Sunday. One of the reasons I wanted to do this is because I've been getting more and more of a conviction that the greatest example of Jesus in my children's life is not the kids' church leader. It's not the kids' church pastor. It's me as the dad. I should be the number one example of Jesus in my children's life. And I love that with our new kids' church curriculum, and if you don't know about it, ask the kids' church team because they'll direct you to all the information that every week now we can sit with our children and we can go over what we learn in kids' church and we watch a video together and we talk about, hey, what did you learn? What does this mean to you? And I'm able to actually become a main voice in the discipleship of my children. I've got to not just tell them about the story of Jesus. I have to live the story of Jesus. Because if I don't, there's going to be disastrous consequences. Within a generation, things can change very quickly. Earlier this year, let me tell you a story from the Bible. Earlier this year in our conference, I preached uh, at Favor Conference uh, a message called Remember the Stones. Does anyone, anyone remember that message? Remember the message about remembering the stones? For those of you that didn't go to conference or missed out on it, it was the story about Joshua and, and Moses had obviously led the Israelites through the desert for 40 years and Joshua had taken over the leadership and he led the people of Israel over the Jordan River. And what was significant about that, it was, it was a beautiful miracle, a miracle where God stopped the Jordan River so the millions of people could pass over into the promised land. I want to pick up the story, Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. It says this, and Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan River, which they had picked up out in the middle of the river once it had stopped. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed. He did this so that all 
all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Joshua making this speech. This is the same Joshua that near the end of his life said, hey, I don't care what y'all are doing, but as for me and my household, I've tried to teach you, I've tried to lead you, but it's your own decision, so I'm going to take care of what I can do, and as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. Isn't this inspiring? Isn't this amazing? Wow, look at these stones. Mommy, Daddy, what are these stones? Oh, let me tell you a story of our God. Let me tell you a story of how he took us out of Egypt and how he put us through the Red Sea. And what these stones represent is him drying up the Jordan River so we can enter the promised land because we serve a big God. We serve a great God. We serve an amazing God. And that was supposed to be what happened. But unfortunately, as beautiful as that part of the story is, that's not really how it happened. If we read ahead into the book of Judges, we see the result of that story. And to me, this is one of the saddest stories in the whole Bible. Because it says this in Judges chapter 2, verse 8. Joshua, the same one that just led the Israelites, the same one that just made that speech, the son of Nun. The servant of the Lord died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. Verse 10, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They arose the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Isn't that sad? Isn't it sad that they would have set up these stones and for a generation Obviously, some people began to speak about it, but somewhere along the line, the parents stopped telling the children about their great God. And if they stopped telling them, I guarantee you, they stopped living like they had a great God. And they started following these different gods of the foreigners that had come in. Isn't it sad? that a generation that experienced such incredible and tangible miracles, like escaping Egypt, the cloud during the day, the fire at night, manna, quail being provided from heaven, crossing the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan River, being able to see the walls of Jericho fall. Isn't it incredible that in just a generation, parents stopped speaking and stopped living like their God was mighty, like their God was the one true God, and a whole generation grew up not knowing who their God was. It only takes one generation to lose everything that we've built. The reason why I stand here today before you preaching is because of the legacy of faith that has been passed on to me through my family. I'm blessed, absolutely blessed. I've told the story before of my father. 
uh, it was a wonderful story about a man named John Metacket who lived next door to my dad. And my dad came from a pretty terrible home, not a lot of love, no Jesus. And his next door neighbor took him to church and my dad found Christ. It's a beautiful story. Uh, so instead of telling that, I thought I'd tell you the other side of my family, my mom today. And it's cool because my parents are here. Uh, my, my grandparents were nice people, nice people, not terrible people, just nice people, but didn't have a relationship with Jesus. My grandfather was a part of the New Zealand Air Force, and so he was stationed in Fiji. <laughs> Tough place to be stationed. Got stationed in Fiji on this beautiful Air Force base with beaches and lovely weather. Fiji, you know, it's just wonderful. And my mother uh, went there um, as a young girl, lived there for four years of her life. Now, my grandparents weren't, you know, terrible people, but they didn't know Jesus. My grandfather used to drink a lot, used to smoke a lot. But there was one guy on the base who was the chaplain of the base. And he started a Bible study on the base for some of the, the officers there. And my grandfather ended up going to this Bible study. Uh, my auntie, my mom's older sister, ended up getting sick uh, of, a, of a very terrible disease. I forget, rum, rumor, rheumatoid, rheumatic fever. Yep, that's it. That's why I'm not a doctor. <laughs> rheumatic fever. And a bunch of kids got sick with it. It's a terrible, terrible sickness. And this chaplain went in and he prayed, and he prayed over my auntie. And in a family that didn't believe fully in Jesus yet, my auntie was the only kid that got up and walked out of the hospital fully healed and fully whole. A miracle that happened that captured my grandfather's heart. There was another person on that base that was the head of the YMCA. Um, that's an actual organization. It's not just a song. Uh, <laughs> some of you are like, what? What is... They did the dance in PG. They, there was a group that danced. No, no. It's the Young, Man, Young Men Christian Association, right? They, they do a lot of um, activities, social sporting events, all that type of thing. And even though it was a Christian organization, there was many, many people that ran those organizations around the world that weren't Christians. But it just so happened that on the Air Force Base, New Zealand Air Force Base in Fiji, he was a Christian. And what this man did was he invited a missionary family called the Turner family that lived off base to come onto the base to do uh, like a vacation Bible camps with the kids that were there. And so this American family named the Turner family, who I don't know who they are, I don't know where they are, I've never seen a photo of them. The only reason why I know their name is because my mom said the Turner family came. And one day my mom, as a nine-year-old, was sitting down with all her little friends and they delivered the gospel message. Something clicked in my mom. And she put her hand up and she responded to Jesus. Now, what I love about this is that my grandmother was sitting at the back of this building while all the kids were doing it. And in that very same moment, my grandmother stuck her hand up and prayed the sinner's prayer in that exact same moment. And my mother and my grandmother both got saved because of some American missionary family called the Turners that did a child's vacation Bible study with a whole bunch of New Zealand kids on an Air Force base in Fiji. 
I don't know who that family is, but I'm eternally grateful for them. I don't know who that chaplain was, but I'm not here today without that chaplain because God did something in my mother's family. And my grandfather went from being just one of the boys to by the end of his tenure on that base, they ended up calling him reverend because there was such a dramatic change in his behavior. He ended up going back to New Zealand with, with my family and they went to a church in Lower Hutt in New Zealand, Christian Life Center, Christian Life Center. And it's cool because Christian Life Center is the church that my dad left Australia to fly over to New Zealand to go to Bible college there, where my grandfather had planted his family in this church. And my mom and dad met each other in that church, got married, had two daughters, and then accomplished the greatest thing in their life and had me. And my grandfather started off leading in that church, became an elder in that church, and eventually became the senior pastor of that church for 16 years, loved Jesus, was dying of cancer in his hospital bed, flesh, just, just skin and bones, still witnessing to all the nurses that were coming in. My grandmother last year passed away. COVID didn't let me go to the funeral. I was devastated, but I got to see my grandmother in bed, still reading her Bible up until the last. When she couldn't read, she would make her daughter read the Word of God in that bed. I'm telling you, I am doing what I am doing today because of the legacy that was given by that chaplain, by that Turner family, by the choice of my grandfather and grandmother, and the life then, and I haven't even told you about the life of my mother, about a woman who felt God speak to her as her husband was flying back from the Philippines on a mission trip and who took two little white girls to a foreign nation in 1981 and stayed in Cebu in a demon-possessed house. next door to neighbors who would slaughter pigs at 12 a.m. and do demon prayers. And my mother raised me, much to her pain. But my mother is a prayer. prayer. My mother reads the Word of God. And even though I may not have appreciated it when I was younger, do you know what she did? She trained me up in the ways of the Lord and she lived it far more than she spoke it. And when I had my revelation of who Jesus was, I defaulted to what I had been shown as a child. I'm here because of the legacy of faith that's been passed down to me. Le leaving your kids money is good. Leaving them faith is the most important thing you can leave your family. Give them, give them something, I'm telling you. Save up, sacrifice, give them something. But the legacy of faith. Are you just telling them or are you living it in your life? My second point today is this, is that we must build a legacy for the kingdom. As much as I love and, and I feel responsible for building and leaving a legacy for my family, there's something even more important than that, and it's building a legacy for the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, he wrote, 
Timothy. And right at the end of his life, at the, the end of this important letter that he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he wrote something very famous. If you've been around church, you would have heard this before. He said, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. He says, as I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. The Apostle Paul, all you have to do is read the book of Acts and read his books that he wrote in the New Testament, and you will know that he indeed fought the good fight. He ran that race until the end, and he kept the faith in such a way that we are all living still today in the kingdom legacy that he helped build. What are you and I doing today to help the kingdom endure long after we leave this earth? That's why I love the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is the plan of God to reach the world. And that's why our offering once a year is called the legacy offering. Because whatever we give into, whoever we partner with, we want to give into things that are going to leave a legacy that builds the kingdom of God and it outlasts every single person in this room. We're not here to build something flashy for the next five years. We're here to build something for the next 40 years that we can then pass on to our children and our children's children. I can't wait to see my grandchildren running around church praising Jesus because of the sacrifice that you and I have made today, that you and I have made this season, you and I have made in these next few years. We need to build something that will endure, build something that will stand the test of time. We need to give something to our children that will stand that test as we build his kingdom. And so today, we want to launch to you our part in how we're plan planning to build the kingdom of God. Why don't you check out this year's Legacy Offering video? A forest needs one seed that grows and multiplies. But the seed needs to be released to see a miracle come to life. When you plant a seed, it may not seem like much is happening at first. There needs to be patience, faith, sacrifice. But slowly, the seed shows signs of life. Before we know it, from the seed grows a tree. The more seeds, the more trees, and one day, a forest. The forest won't come today, but it won't happen without a seed. Patience. Faith, sacrifice. This is what it means to leave a legacy. To sow a seed that will grow and bear fruit for this generation and for many other generations to come. The time is now. The possibilities are endless. And this seed is our legacy. We're growing and strengthening our efforts to build our church and we're giving to different organizations in the Philippines, Australia, and across the globe. We have the faith to believe that the seeds that we are planting now will find good soil, will take root, and they will grow incredibly large, affecting many generations to come in the future. 
For the first time this year, our legacy offering will be given into by two of our locations in Manila in the Philippines and Brisbane in Australia. And as a global church, there's a few initiatives that together we will be investing into to see an incredible legacy grow. Is there a better seed to plant than a new church in a new location? And that is what we're doing with Favor Church in Korea. We are giving into our church family planting in Seoul right in the capital. And we're believing what God is going to do in that city is going to touch not only the city of Seoul, but the nation of South Korea. We're continuing our partnership with Water for Africa, which is an incredible organization that we love so much. They provide and maintain open wells of clean water for African communities. And it's so amazing because so many people are finding Jesus as they provide this clean water. We're continuing our partnership with Redemption as we invest not only into the education of the children, but also into the infrastructure, helping it buy an extra piece of land and building new buildings so that we can educate more children. We're so excited to continue our partnership with Consider the Lily, a home that rescues girls from abusive and exploitative households. This year, we're going to be expanding our giving into Favor Foundation. We'll be doing medical missions and giving food to the needy through different parts of the community within Metro Manila. We are also giving to Living Waters, a ministry that brings Jesus' transformational compassion to those who are sexually and relationally broken. We're giving to Adonai Hope, a safe space and abortion alternative for women who need Jesus. And lastly, we're continuing to strengthen favorite production. It is our dream to continuously provide world-class creative content that will share the extravagant love of God with everyone who encounters it. The seed of Favor Church was planted six years ago, and what's happened in these few short years has been an incredible testament of how good and how kind and how faithful God is. What we've seen happen is nothing short of a miracle. And this year, we are believing for more. Amen. Isn't that cool? Isn't that exciting? Those first three things that we're going to be giving into, uh, globally, we're going to be giving into um, all those things. And then sort of the last little section there is what locally we're going to be focusing on. Brisbane has their own local uh, partnerships as well that they'll be focusing on too. But I'm just really excited about what God is going to do. It's, it's just uh, amazing that we get to partner with amazing uh, organizations and also invest into what God is doing here in our church and as we expand our church to Korea uh, and what God is going to do there. So what does that mean? What does that come back to? It comes back to this. One of the ways that we can build a kingdom legacy is by giving into the legacy offering as well. We're going to be doing this in November. We're going to give details the next few weeks, so you don't need to miss out. If you want more details, we've got a whole website up available online uh, that you can see. We'll post it on social media. Next week, uh, I'm going to be actually interviewing my dad. We're going to be talking about Favor Care, uh, which is uh, our ministry from our Favor Foundation uh, and some of the things that we want to do in that. And we've got a pretty huge announcement next week as well that you need to come to church to hear. We're not starting a new city. Don't, get, don't, don't say, 
where are we starting? We're not, no more cities. Please, God, no more cities for the next few years. Uh, but we've got some pretty cool news next year that I know you're going to love. But this is one of the ways that we as a church, we believe that we can build a kingdom legacy is by investing into each one of those uh, partnerships that we have. These are things that are helping people, that are changing people's lives, that are showing people who Jesus is, and we get to be a part of it. Isn't that cool? That's great. 20 of you think that that's cool. Isn't that good? Isn't that really good? I'm so excited about it. So we need to build a kingdom legacy. The last point that I want to share today is this. Your legacy isn't final yet. When you talk about legacy, particularly if you're a little bit older, and we've got a lot of seasoned people in our church, sometimes you can begin to think of everything that you haven't done, all the opportunities you have missed out on. Maybe the mistakes that you've made. Maybe you could think to yourself, well, I wasn't born into that family. How am I going to make a difference? Well, James, I wasn't born into a Christian family like you were. I didn't have great parents. No, you, you might not have, but my dad didn't have great parents either. And God did something in his life. My mom wasn't born into a Christian family. and God did something in their life. Maybe you're the one that God is calling to break the generational cycle and start something new. Some of you are like, well, James, you don't know what I've done. I've made a lot of mistakes. That's fantastic. I'm glad that you said that because you know who else made a lot of mistakes? Every single one of Jesus's disciples. Do you know who I think made the most mistakes? A guy called Peter. Do you remember this guy called Peter? Remember the guy who preached on the first day of the New Testament church and 3,000 people got saved? Do you remember this guy that was one of the church leaders in the early church that wrote 1 Peter and said, this amazing man of God, the one that looked at Jesus and was the first one to have a revelation that he was in fact Jesus, the son of God, this amazing Peter that jumped out of the boat and walked on water, this incredible Peter that did all these things. But in the midst of all these amazing things, he made a pretty big mistake. Actually, it was on the night of Jesus' betrayal that Willem shared about before that Jesus is talking. He's talking with Peter, and Peter says, Jesus, I'll never leave you. And he's being all dramatic because that's who Peter was. He was passionate and dramatic. Anybody else married to someone like that? passionate. He's trying, Gee, I'll never leave you. And Jesus says before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no, I will never. And if you know the story, and some of you may know it, some of you might not, the story goes that Jesus is being questioned and being held by the authorities. And there's a group of people kind of standing around and Peter kind of goes up and he's there and he's kind of standing around a fire, warming his hands. Someone sees him, hey, aren't, aren't you one of his disciples? No, no, I'm not, not, no, I, I don't, I'm not him. The Bible actually tells us in one of the gospels that it's a, a little girl actually says, hey, aren't you the one? And the Bible says that Peter, the anointed man of God, cursed at her, right? No, I don't know him. Third time, do you know? No, I don't, I don't know. I'm not one of those guys. I don't know him. 
And as soon as he says that third time, the Bible tells us that he hears the rooster crow. Cock-a-doodle-doo. And in that moment, Peter realizes what he has done. The man who'd had the revelation of who Christ was, that he was the son of the living God, all of a sudden, after three years of walking with Jesus, after three years of seeing miracles and, and, and feeding thousands of people from just a few loaves and a few fish, walking on water, the guy who walked on water sat and denied Jesus to a little girl. Could you imagine if Peter had walked away from that and said, I'm done? He could have had every right to, I'm finished. How dare I even say the name of Jesus? I am nothing. I am a failure. But I'm so glad that Peter's story didn't stop there. I'm so glad it didn't stop there. I'm so glad that Peter went with his fellow brothers who also made mistakes. Remember, they all disappeared when Jesus got arrested. At least Peter was there. They all disappeared. And he got with his fellow brothers and a few other people, and they went into a room, the upper room, where they'd had dinner with Jesus, and they prayed, 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 and the Holy Spirit hit that room. And if you want to read about it, it's found in the book of Acts in the Bible, chapter 2. It says the Holy Spirit just fell on that room, and tongues like fire came on their head. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spilled out onto the streets, speaking in other tongues, and people thought they were drunk, but they weren't drunk. They were full of the Holy Spirit, and Peter stood up that day and he began to preach. The same Peter that 50 days earlier had denied Jesus got up and he began to preach of that very same Jesus and tell them that even though he was crucified, even though he was killed on the third day, he rose again. And why did he do that? He rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. And as Peter preached this message, 3,000 people got saved and that started this revolution called the Christian church. How many of y'all thankful that Peter's story didn't stop when he denied Christ three times? And now we get to live in the kingdom legacy of a man who made a mistake, but didn't stay in that mistake. Some of y'all have made mistakes. I have. But I'm so glad that God has given me time to not only correct my mistakes, but to begin to build a new legacy. Listen to me. If you still have breath in your lungs, your time is not done. Your legacy is not over. I don't care how old you are. Your legacy is not over. My, my parents are 69 and 68, 7, 8, 68 years old. I know I just looked like a really bad son just then. I'm really sorry, Mom. 69, 69, 68. And I'm inspired by my parents because at 69 years old, they've migrated to the Philippines from Australia to start our favor foundation and to build a new legacy. They could retire in Australia, go for walks along the beach, drive where people follow the rules <laughs> but instead they decided that their life 
and their legacy and building a kingdom legacy meant more to them than the comfort of retirement. And so they moved here now. My, my dad, who was once my senior pastor and boss, now I am his senior pastor and boss. What a legacy. There's a lot of people that are giving up by the age of 70. And he's like, no. He goes, I got years ahead of me. He always tells me I'm going to live till I'm 100. Okay. I hope you've saved up a lot of money because you've got another 30 years. But I love it. I'm inspired. If you still got breath in your lungs, your legacy's not over. If you've made a lot of mistakes, fantastic. Welcome to the club. We all have. We've all made mistakes. But if there's breath in your lungs, you still have time to build a great legacy. And the greatest legacy that you can be a part of is building a legacy in the kingdom of God. And even though, yes, you can give into the legacy offering, do you know how you start building a legacy in the kingdom of God is this. You start by having a relationship with Jesus. Peter got up and he preached that day on the day of Pentecost, we call it. And he preached about how Jesus died on the cross and why he needed to die on the cross and how that through his death and resurrection it proved who Jesus was. He was the Son of God. And the Bible makes it really clear throughout scriptures that we all have issues and mistakes that we've made. We call it sin. Sin is the things that we do, the thoughts that we think that are outside of the way that God would want us to live. That's sin. And the Bible's so clear. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I love that scripture in Romans 3.23 because it, it makes me feel comfortable knowing that you all are as messed up as I am. Come on, someone say amen to that. I got issues. You got issues. We've all sinned. But the Bible also goes on to tell us so clearly that Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, gives us the free gift of eternal life because of what he did, not because of what any of us do. It doesn't matter how much money you give in the legacy offering, whether it's 100 pesos, 1,000, a million, a billion in Jesus' name. Come on, that was a word for someone. Receive it. In Jesus' name, it doesn't matter how much you give, that doesn't actually get you salvation. You know what gets you salvation? The absolute opposite is in admitting there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can give. There's nothing that, that you can earn for this thing. The only thing that we can do is humbly come before Jesus and say, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And he'll come and live in your life. You won't become perfect straight away. You'll still go through things but you'll start a relationship with someone who is perfect. You may not be perfect, but he is perfect in and through you, which is beautiful. In a moment, we're going to pray. And I actually really felt, I just want to let you know, I really felt today that I wanted to pray for people who have a fear of not being able to leave an inheritance for their children financially today. I'm going to pray for you, so just get ready for that. But before we do that, I want to give every person here online watching or if you're listening on a podcast the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Maybe you've never, ever prayed a prayer where you've asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you did this a long time ago, but you walked away. Maybe you, 
you had a tough season, a tough life. Maybe you had a denying of Christ moment and, and, and you haven't come back yet to the Lord. I want to challenge you. Today is your day to respond to Jesus. Could we all just bow our heads, close our eyes? If you're saying, James, that's me. I'm that first person. I've never done this before. Or you're saying, James, I'm that second person. I did this a long time ago, but I, I walked away from Christ. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I'd love you to lift your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you. And if you're online, I want you to respond. You can lift your hand in your bedroom or type in the chat, say, that's me. But on the count of three, if you're saying, that's me, James, lift your hands. One, two, three. Right now, all over this room, lift your hands. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hands over here on the side. Hands up in the back. Hands here in the front. Thank you, Lord. If you're online, I want you to respond. Even if no one's around, just lift your hand in your room so that Jesus can see it. If you lifted your hand, I want you to put your hand on your heart. Right now, we're going to pray a prayer. And it's a simple prayer just reflecting what I shared with you before. And we're all going to pray this together. So come on, why don't you say it with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you rose from the grave victorious. So Lord, right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Be my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favorite.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.